0: We respond by saying, thanks, yeah. thanks be to God. Thanks be God. We give God the praise. So, are you really all in? Are you really all in? I saw it on the screen. I followed you on Facebook. I see it on social media. I know Pastor Kirk King has been drilling it and talking about it, and you've been seeing it. And there's probably two people in here, <laughs> I it, but probably I'm kind of tired of all this stuff. they won't say it out loud but I come to ask you this morning are you really all in is it more than just a cute nice slogan or has something happened to you over these weeks and months while you've been praying and while you've been preparing to make a commitment to God and say God what more can I do and give and serve how can I help the church be the church that you have called us to be the Apostle Paul is writing a thank you note. He's writing a thank you note from a prison cell to thank a little church in Philippi that remembered him doing his imprisonment. Now the church at Philippi is a great example for us of what God can do with God's people. If you've ever thought that the work that you have to do if you're trying to transform the community of Chillicothe, if you're trying to fill this place, if you're trying to help people to know Jesus, if you're trying to help this broken world feel better in the midst of a lot that could be hopeless, I know that at times it seemed like you have an impossible task. If sometimes your church feels like, and you've been around for a lot of years, and many churches that had a long historical view Sometimes you've had pastors that have come and have gone and there have been ups and there have been downs I know there's probably a season in your history when you can remember when the church was just filled choir loft was full it wasn't hard to get people to choir rehearsal on what night did you rehearse choir? on Wednesday night folk were just flooding into choir and now you're trying to drag them in you remember that time and every now and then Churches start to muse about, well, what do we need to do to really get to where we want to be and be the kind of church we want to be? And sometimes churches start looking in the rearview mirror and saying, I remember back in the good old days when. Sometimes they began to believe that, well, we could just, if the bishop from that conference could just get it right, just send us the right preacher, then we could be a great church. Well, let me tell you, if you were looking for a pastor, the guy that's writing this letter that became one of the greatest evangelists of, of, of in modern times in the New Church Testament, the person next to Jesus who probably had the most influence on the early Christian church, if you read his resume, I guarantee you, now in our system, we are appointed. But if you read Paul's resume and you are called church, I'm going to tell you, you would not invite him even to be a guest preacher. If you read the resume of the Apostle Paul you found out that he was a troublemaker and he'd been in jail several times, if you find out that he was a guy that before his conversion, he actually started out on the other side. He was playing for the other team. He didn't like the Jesus team. He didn't like the folks up there in that that Jesus section in that window. He really don't like you all. (laughs) He didn't like all the noise folks were making. He was one of those that cheered, and he thought that when they crucified Jesus, Amen. that finally they had settled down this new sect, this new band of folk that were hanging around that little wandering prophet from Nazareth. They thought that it was over with. He thought they had shut down that little movement. He was there. This, this, if you go and read his resume when he was still known as Saul. He was present when Stephen was stoned to death. When they were stoning Stephen to death, he was holding the coats of those that stoned Stephen to death. He was there, he was giving his, and he got what he thought was his calling at the death of Stephen. And he decided that while they were stoning him, that he liked so much Persecuting the church and persecuting Christians and believers, he said guess what, I don't want to just be your regular run of the mail church fighter I want to be certified so Saul got a certification to persecute churches that's what that letter of authority, he said I want a letter he said I want to go to Damascus and anybody I find calling on the name of Jesus I'm gonna put him in handcuffs. I'm gonna throw him in jail. Saul got deputized. He got a badge, y'all, to go and put Christians in jail. He thought that was his job. He did much harm to the church on his way to Damascus. God had another plan. So this Saul on his way to Damascus. When you read his story in the Gospel in the the Acts of the Apostles, you find out while he was on his way to Damascus to disrupt the work of the church. God has something else in mind. Saul, who became Paul, is proof positive. Be careful who you decide. Trinity, don't decide to go with this selective evangelism where you want to decide who ought to come in. Take everybody that walks through the doors and go out and get some folk that other folk don't want because God may just be up to something. God may just decide that there's another Saul who started out as a persecutor that he needs to convert and turn into proclaiming. Saul on his way to Damascus, you know his story. In the middle of the day, when he was on his way to Damascus, the S-O-N, outshined the S-U-N. Mm-hmm. And he was blinded on the way, he was knocked off his beast. He heard a voice that he had not heard. He heard the Lord Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? And so Jesus talked to him. It's hard to kick against the bricks. He changed his life. And when he started out, and he was sent to an elder in the church, when he was sent to Ananias to help him out, when God appeared to Ananias and said, I'm sending brother Saul over to you that you might pray with him and help him. Ananias had to ask God a second time, are you sure you're sending that rascal to me? I heard a lot of stuff about the guy, and everything I heard, nothing, none of it was good. Lord, are you sure you're going to use him? And so the Lord had revealed eyes and said, Behold, he prayed. Now you are 24-7 praying church. Do you really believe that prayer changes things? Do you really believe that prayer can change people and prayer can change lives? Ananias had to be convinced. He said he prayed. In other words, don't keep on praying and asking God for miracles if you don't expect miracles to happen. Don't keep on praying and asking God to sinful, And when God starts sending folk, you don't know what to do with them. Don't keep on praying and saying, God, you want us to change your city and change our church if you don't win. If you're not all in... Don't be playing around talking to God about stuff. Because God heals. I just happen to believe that God said if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways out here from heaven. One of the hardest things it is to do in every church is get folk to pray and get folk to come to prayer. And you've got to try it all kinds of ways. Thank God for a few folk. When the pastor said, We're going prayer walking, I know everybody that signed up, and some folk think it's a little strange. But thank God for a few that are faithful enough and say, Brother Pastor, we'll join you, we'll go with you, we'll go into the classroom, we'll go into some of those empty rooms that haven't had kids in them for a while, and we're going to pray and believe God that some families are going to come, and babies are going to come, and children are going to come. And God, we'll go to the school. And we'll pray that our kids and our school can be drug free we pray that they'll have the power to, to turn away and to resist some of the things that they're going to be offered this school. Thank you, Trinity, for being that kind of church. I'm praying for this church, that it'll be the kind of church in this community that folk will talk about. So when I ask what's going on in Chicago, so let me tell you about that Trinity Church now, on Street. you don't have to do much. When something good is going on, people will talk about it. I hanged out at Carl Evans last night. I learned about the Krispy Kreme donut. I didn't ask anybody. I just sat down next to somebody. <laughs> I said, boy, I tell you what, if you are town tomorrow, you get no leave for you. Go by and get one of those Krispy Kreme donuts. Yeah. He was so convinced, and y'all know I had me a pumpkin donut on the way to church this morning. <laughs> when stuff good is happening, see, folks, and you know what? We, we 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 get so as Method we get so shy and bashful about talking about our faith. We can talk about you know to a, a stranger you can say, "Boy, I tell you when the Buckeyes had a good day, how about those Buckeyes?" Well, last week they we were not saying that. <laughs> but you ought to get enough you ought to get enough boldness in your faith. God is stirring something here in this church and doing something. If you're really all in, you ought to be stirring something. So I'm praying that the next time I stop or somebody else to stop in your city, that not only will they be telling about the Krispy Kreme donut down the street, but the Bob Evans and that Applebee. I couldn't get an Applebee last night. I don't know how many of y'all were in there, but they were giving out some free dinners for the veterans. Oh, the line was out the door here last night couldn't get in the last night. I had to start over the Bob Evans and sit at the counter. But I'm hoping that somebody sitting at the counter meet the stranger in the city or looking at somebody who might look like me, who looked a little straggly. I wasn't shaving. I wasn't looking the best. I wasn't groomed yet. I was just sitting there hungry at the Bob Evans. I hope somebody tells me, hey, brother, if you're in town tomorrow, don't you leave before you go by Trinity Church, because there's some saints there. Not only do they serve the best breakfast you've ever seen, and, and all of those different variations of, of the sausage casserole with cheese and spicy and all the other good stuff you have for breakfast, but when you go there, you'll meet somebody with a smile and with a, with a, with a heart of welcome. You'll meet some folk with the love, the infectious love of Jesus Christ in their heart. You'll meet some folk that have been changed and they really believe in God's power to change. Don't you leave, Chillicothe coffee, till you go buy Trinity, because it's a church on the move for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a church that believe that our best days are not behind us, our best days are still yet to come, that God is still in the blessing and the saving and the redeeming business. And in the midst of all of the bad, negative news we have to kid. Thanks be to God. I don't know about you, but I tell you, these words, these rhetorical words come back to me every time I come to worship. If you like me sometimes get tired of listening to what all of those three initials, those ABC and CBS and CNN, the 24-hour news say, most of our news is negative these days, but I come like those of old, and I come on Sunday morning. And other times I could come, and i come and say, is there a word from the Lord? Thank God for your pastors that come, and they have a word of hope for you. Amen. They have a word that said, after all you've heard through the week, let me tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ yeah. and what he's doing. This, this letter Amen. to the church at Philippi I was a like, thank you note. Paul, who used to be Saul, who had a bad resume, who wouldn't have gotten an appointment in the West Ohio Conference based on his resume. He would not have passed the background check. To be a preacher in the United Methodist Church, but see God in God's time, God took a Saul, turned him into Paul, and made him an evangelist. Sent him to folk he didn't like. Sent him to be evangelized. Paul, who was a Jew, sent him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. God is telling us we got to cross the street. We got to cross cultures. We've got to cross the economic divide. We've got to stop doing this us-them stuff and start realizing that everybody belongs to God and God can use us to witness the folk that don't look like us, don't act like us, don't live in the same neighborhood who didn't go to the same school with us. God can use us in some amazing ways. There's some things about this little church at Philippi that just gives me pause when I think about it. Paul is in jail writing a thank you note to him. Because you remember his first visit to Philippi, when he got to the city, he didn't have credentials. He couldn't go to the synagogue and teach. He wasn't invited to be a guest preacher. He wasn't able to stand behind the sacred desk and teach. When the priest in the synagogue, but you know what he did? He was on his way somewhere else. He was on his way somewhere else. But you know what prayer did? Paul said, we were on our way sailing somewhere else. But I saw somebody in the spirit praying and saying, come over here. I saw a man saying, come over into Macedonia. So we changed our course. That's what God does. And that's what prayer does. God start directing folk you have never met. God will raise up somebody from a little small town in Andrew, South Carolina and that didn't know Chill Coffee exists and he'll send by your church to say a word of hope to you. God sent Paul over into Macedonia and he landed in this little seaport town called Philippi and what he didn't have potentials to go to the church. You go back and check the history. You know what he did? He heard that there was a prayer meeting going on down by the river. There were a couple of women gathered there. Lydia was one of the women at, at the river in Philippi. Lydia was one of those ladies there. She was a, she was a merchant. She was a seller of purple dye. She was a woman with a business, a business woman, a business woman with her own business in Paul's day that had time to have a prayer meeting down by the river. And so when Paul and Silas went to Philippi, they stopped by the river, they broke into the women's prayer meeting and they didn't say, Hey, what are you strangers doing here? They saw the anointing of God on those men's life and said, We deserve that you are men of God and we would have you share the word of God with us. And Saul and Paul teach to the women and the women got converted and then they took them into their houses and their households got saved. And after they had a prayer meeting in their houses, when they went outside, there was another strange woman. Now, we got the business woman, Lydia, and we got her house getting saved. But when Paul and Silas was walking around in the city, there was a woman that was a fortune teller. There was a woman who her masters were exploiting. She had a spirit, the word says she had a spirit of divination and all. She was able to tell people's fortune. She was uh, back some years ago. Some of y'all might remember this commercial about a Jamaican woman. Her name was Miss Cleo. There was a commercial about her and said, Come on now. She would tell Fortune, one of those 900 numbers. Well, this lady was Miss Cleo before Miss Cleo was Miss Cleo. One thing she did in her being a fortune teller or a card reader, this woman recognized the anointing of God on Paul and, Sir and, and Silas's life, and so everywhere those guys went, she cried after them. She said, "These men are servants of the Most High God." Paul got so annoyed with that thing because they were trying to—they were trying to just kind of blend into the city, be cool. They weren't trying to make a whole lot of noise. They weren't trying to get in trouble or get in jail. But when this woman did that, Paul cast that spirit out of her. And when she got delivered from the spirit that allowed her to tell fortune, but that also tormented her and kept her in bondage, don't you know there's some folk that need to be set free in your city? And if you start helping some folk come out of sex trafficking and you're going to help some folk come out of prostitution and help folk get off of drugs. If Trinity starts to do stuff in the city that begins to liberate some folk, don't you know that there's some folk that are making money off of folk that get upset? That's what happened in Paul's day. And so all of a sudden, when they he delivered that woman, they said, these men are Teaching things we're not lawful to hear. So, Paul and Silas end up getting thrown in jail in Philippi. Go and check it out. It's the last 16 chapters. And while they were in jail, this is what it means to be. Well, have y'all tried some stuff that's gotten you in a little bit of trouble or gotten you some recognition that you didn't want? And sometimes, Pastor, when you take a risk to do some risk taking mission, somebody might misunderstand it. And every now and then, anytime the church gets a little bad or negative press, you got some of the naysayers. Sometimes y'all might be prayer walking, and some one person, now you might bless somebody, but somebody might get upset and say, I don't want those folks walking around on my street witnessing. And if any little negative thing happened, Every now and then, it doesn't happen here in Trinity, but in some churches, there's some folk that got a radar for the negative. And the least little negative thing, they'll hang on that. See there, I told the pastor we ain't got time to be doing that. Well, these guys got thrown in jail. If you pastor because of conscience or others, if any of you ever stood on your conviction to do something that might even land you in trouble, don't be the church. That if you take a stand for justice or for righteousness, if God tells you to go and stand with some folk that are losing their job unjustly, and if you end up in jail, don't take being in jail, don't take taking a stand as a reason to say you can't witness to the gospel. Because whenever you witness to the gospel, you take a risk. These guys, when they got thrown in jail, some folk would have been done right there. But when they got to jail, they had a prayer meeting. <laughs> when they, all the other prisoners were sleeping, they told the choir, the choir, well, they didn't even wait on a choir that day. They said, you sing a song and I'll pray a prayer. Paul and Silas had a prayer meeting in jail. And while they were singing and praying, the Holy Spirit began to move and they said, the jail shut and all the doors were open. Let me tell you something about your praise and your celebration. When you go all in for God and when you distill de- that you're going to give God praise anyhow even in good times and bad times even when you don't meet the budget even when you try something and don't quite get there when you give God some glory and praise anyhow when you do that anyhow God blesses it they began to sing and pray in prison until all the doors flew open don't you know that your praise helps other get set free they they were the ones singing and praying But everybody's doors got flung open. When they put Paul and Silas in jail, they were so worried. He said they put them in the dungeon, in the inner cell. They put shocks uh, shocks on their feet and and chains on their hands. And then all of their chains fell off. And they told the jailer, you better not let them escape. When the jailer woke up and discovered the prison doors open, he decided he was going to commit suicide because he knew it would be death for him. If prisoners escaped on his watch, they were gonna kill him. So he decided he was gonna take his own life. But when he drew back his sword and took it, Paul said, Do yourself no harm, we are all still here. Now the record records that the jailer got saved. He cried out and said, Now what must I do to be saved? And Paul told him to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be saved. And the jailer then Invited Paul and Silas to his house and his house got saved. So when you add this up, a businesswoman, a fortune teller, and a jailer, that was the nucleus of the church in Philippi. That little church started with that unlikely crew. And Philippi, the Philippian church, became the greatest supporter of the ministry of Paul and so Paul said I thank God every time I remember you and Paul says to them when he says I want you to think about what really matters oh we got some stuff there's always some controversy there's always some things going on but they kept sending support to Paul and to Paul's ministry don't y'all know how much negative stuff they heard about Paul don't y'all know how many many folk talked about it but they looked beyond Paul and what folks said about him and they saw that Jesus in him and the good he was trying to do and they were supporting the work of ministry. So I want to tell you Trinity, you pay your conference, connectional asking and apportionments. Sometimes we hear the little controversy, oh you know the United Methodist Church, they, they got some controversy going on. They might split. Some people are disagreeing over this and disagreeing over that. But I praise God that this church it's not a perfect church. we got a perfect Savior and a perfect God. God is calling us to do our part to support the ministry of the church and remember that we are witnesses of the gospel. Lives are being changed. I ask you again, Trinity, are you really all in? I thank God I had an opportunity just a few days ago. As I closed, I had an opportunity to go over to Southeast Asia and to Laos. Our church supports the ministry over in Laos. And supporting that church, a church is not quite sanctioned. And meeting those Christians over there, I met a lady over there that was a young, a woman whose husband had long died. And she's a Christian, she's a believer. And when her husband died, her eldest son, who was her stepson by another marriage, but the teenager in the family, the oldest male in the family, which is her support system, He did not convert. The father and mother had converted to Christianity, but he had not yet converted. And when his dad died, he disowned his mother because she was a Christian. As As a woman in that culture, without a husband and without a male son, without somebody protecting her, it makes it hard for her to hold on to her faith. She said, I haven't been a Christian long, but... I I learned about Jesus, and I've had this walk with Jesus for a couple of years now. And even if my son disowned me, I won't turn back on my faith. I'm going to hold on to my faith. When I was in that little village in Side, when we rode up the Mekong River, and we got to that little small village and walked up those steps and walked into that little hut, with a dirt floor and places without running water and places with a little bit of electricity and, and those folks shared what they had with us. And when we met with the elders in that community, and before we left, we talked about what did we do? When the elders got together, and they talked about the needs they had. But they said to me, Pastor, thank you for how you have supported our church. Thank you for what your church has done. He said, but well, before you leave, we want you to pray with us. We talked about needs. When they got ready to pray, there happened to be some of them had dirt floors, but this one actually had a cement floor. Well, when those guys got ready to pray, they said, Pastor, we're going to pray. And I had five pastors and the village elders, and they got down on their knees. And they said, each one of them is going to pray, and I'm going to pray. Curry, it felt like the longest time I'd been on my knees. I'm kneeling down on cement. And those guys were praying in another language. I couldn't, I couldn't understand the language they were praying, but they were talking to God, and I could feel the power of the anointing of God in their lives. There on my knees, on that concrete floor in the village of Oldhamside, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit and I saw people that had very little, but they had the love of Christ in their heart. I saw that woman that witnessed to the fact that she would not let go of her faith, not even if her family disowned. So it encouraged my heart and encouraged my faith and reminded me, oh God, help me to be all men in my faith. Don't let me let the little controversies that I hear about the church and the threat that the church might split and it might be do this and it might do that. But hear the words of Jesus who said, upon this rock I'm going to build a church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And until Christ comes again, the church is going to be here because he promised that it'll be here. I'm going to believe him and I'm going to believe the gospel and I'm going to continue to witness and I'm going to continue to have hope for today that this church and every church is open in the Lord Jesus Christ's name it will be as well known and more known more than the local donuts shop That we will not be ashamed. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God and salvation to everyone that believes. Thanks be to God for your Trinity. Thanks for what you're committed. Thanks for what you're doing. Continue to be all in. Because somebody was all in. Years ago, when I didn't know Jesus, the church loved me enough, prayed for me enough, and prayed for me enough, until I met Jesus for myself. And I can tell you, living in these times that we live in, Christ is the best thing that has ever happened to us, and the best thing for the world. Regardless of what happens in the political arena, remember that there's one who sits high and looks low. Our hope goes beyond Washington and the White House and who's on the president. Whether you love him or not, pray for him. Pray for our leaders. But keep looking up to our great leader, who is the great high priest. Keep looking up unto Jesus. He's the author and the finisher and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame. And so I have hope today. My hope is in him. My hope is in the world. It is Jesus Christ our Savior. Are you truly all of Thanks be to God. Maybe not all the way, but keep on striving for it. As Wesley said, go on toward perfection. And one of these days, Jesus, the Lord himself, is going to come back and he's going to say, well Amen.